welcome back to another episode of Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, coming with you for Digging Deeper this week as we look at Exodus chapter 11 on this 39th episode of Wrestling with Theology. I want to spend a few minutes this time to talk just about Exodus 11 and the final plague being threatened by God. Chapter 11 is only 10 verses, but it has a lot of things added to it that especially serve as a review of the first nine plagues. So we look at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. A couple of key insights here. Yet one plague more. There is law and gospel both in this statement. Law is that a plague is coming, and it's going to be bigger than all the rest of them. But the gospel in the fact that it's the last of the plagues, and that Israel will be delivered from Egypt. But not only delivered, but God says he will drive you away completely. Not only say, go, worship your God, be gone, but to drive them out with his armies. To drive them away completely, wanting nothing to do with the Israelites anymore. And so we have this final promise coming in. But the one plague more reminds us that we have had nine other plagues. And we've seen how each of these plagues have pitted against one or more of the gods and goddesses of the Egyptians. Let's run through that again real quickly. The first plague, the Nile and the water being turned to blood. You had three basic gods of the Nile. Apis, Isis, and Knum. These three are being dealt with with the first one. The second one, the frogs, comes with Heket, the goddess of birth. The third, with the gnats, being against Set, the god of the desert, as the gnats rose up from the dust. Number four was the flies, primarily against Uachit, who is the fly god. They actually had a god of flies. And against Ra, the sun god, because the flies were so numerous that it blocked out the light of the sun. Uh, The fifth one, the death of livestock. You have Hathor, who has a cow head, but also Apis, who who has a bull head. The plague of boils was against Sekhmet, the goddess with power over disease, Sunu, the pestilence god, and Isis, the goddess of healing. The plague of hail was against Nut, the sky goddess, Osiris, the god of crops, and Set, the god of storms. Again, you see these names coming back up again as Set's god of the desert, but also god of storms. Um, Isis was the goddess of the Nile, but also the goddess of healing. The plague of locust, number eight, was against Nut, the sky goddess, and Osiris, 
the god of crops again. The ninth plague of darkness was against Ra and Horus, both sun gods, and Nut and Hathor, both sky goddesses. So when we get to this tenth plague, this final plague, we have the culmination of the attack against the gods. As the death of the firstborn goes up against Men, the god of reproduction, Heket, the goddess of childbirth, Isis, the goddess of children, and also Pharaoh, who was seen as Ra's firstborn son. So as we look at this, we'll go back through uh, these gods and goddesses again for the tenth plague as we get into the tenth plague actually happening in chapters uh, 12 and 13. Right now we're going to go back to uh, chapter 11, verse 2 where God is still speaking to Moses. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. God tells them to plunder the Egyptians. Get the silver and gold jewelry from your neighbors. question often comes up in Bible study on Exodus 32 where did they get all this gold to make the golden calf? We see the Sunday school pictures with the calf being huge. This is where they got it. They plundered the Egyptians for it. In verse 3, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. They were willingly plundered, were the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. You think about this with chapter 11. Moses is very great in the land, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. But when we go back to chapter 2, at the beginning of this, before Moses is out in the wilderness and with his new family, with his father-in-law, for 40 years in the land of Midian, he was not considered very great. He was an enemy of the state. But now, the age of 80 having done all of these things, having brought upon the land all of these plagues from the Lord, he was very great in their sight. And now we have Moses talking to Pharaoh, verse 4. Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and the firstborn of all the cattle. About midnight. Literally, that means the middle of the night. The Jewish calendar, the Israelite calendar, has always seen 12-hour segments. 12-hour day, 12-hour night. Roughly between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. So, what we consider midnight as 12 a.m. would be literally the middle of the night. And he says, not that they will just be struck down, but I will go out in the midst of of Egypt. God himself is coming to do this plague himself, not just showing power, but showing himself to the Egyptians. And as later on Moses will ask to see God's glory, God tells him, no man can see my face and live. So as God comes down to the Egyptians, their firstborn dies. Every firstborn, from Pharaoh on the throne to the slave girl at the handmill, will be killed. The firstborn 
was important. First of all, it proved the fact that you could have children and could possibly have a dynasty for whatever whatever your lot in life was, whether it was pharaoh on the throne, a tradesman, a merchant, whatever. You had this opportunity for a dynasty. But also the firstborn had a double portion of the inheritance. In most of the ancient civilizations, this was quite true. So then Israel is called by God throughout the Old Testament to be God's firstborn son. Shadowing the firstborn of all creation being Jesus, both from the creation of the world, but also the new creation in the resurrection. So this killing of all the firstborn sons leads to the resulting consecration later on, where after passing through the Red Sea, all the firstborn are consecrated to the Lord. And because he talks about being from Pharaoh on the throne to the, the slave girl at the hand mill, no one is excluded because of social class. And God includes the cattle as well, because God hasn't done enough with the cattle. We go on in verse 6. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as has never been nor ever will be again. This happens over and over again, this phrase. There has never been nor ever will be again. We had it back in Exodus 9. Verses 18 and 24. Chapter 10, verse 14. We have it here. It's again in Ezekiel 16, 16. Daniel 12, 1. Joel 2, 2. Matthew 24, 21. Mark 13, 19. And finally, Revelation 16, 18. This whole, there has never been nor ever will be again idea. That this is a one-time event. So the land of Egypt has this great cry that, that will never be duplicated. Verse 7, But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, neither man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. There's no sound in Goshen. It is very quiet in Goshen while the land of Egypt is in an uproar. Because God has made a distinction, which he has done for the last few plagues, that they have been against the Egyptians and the Israelites have not had an issue with it. Verse 8, this is a very great statement from God. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, me being Moses, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. So you're going to have this happen, this great outcry, and then the people are going to beg them to leave. But again, Pharaoh will not only make them leave, but he will make them leave forcibly. So Moses ends these words from the Lord, and he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger, literally in fierce heat, that he was just red, as red as an Israelite could get from the anger of what the Lord was proclaiming against the people and also what happens in verse 9 when God talks to Moses again uh, then the Lord said to Moses Pharaoh will not listen to you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt the same listen here that has been said throughout will be repeated again in Deuteronomy 6 4 hear O Israel 
the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You know, it's that idea of hearkening, uh, that attentive listening. It says Pharaoh will not do it. That my wonders may be multiplied. We talked about this, and we'll see it again in verse 10, that Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. This is the fourth time we have seen this in the book of Exodus so far. We'll see it another three times after this. Talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart so that he will not listen, so that the wonders may be multiplied. And the same word for multiply, the same form, comes in the idea of the animals being blessed by God, be fruitful and multiply. Also, Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1. The same blessing being given in Genesis 9 after the flood. This multiply, this, oh, this brimming over of the abundance that is given. This is what God says is going to happen to the land of Egypt. All of his wonders are going to brim over so that they truly know that he is the Lord. Now there's chapter 11 of Exodus. Like I said, a short chapter, but one that is packed with lots of information. And next month we'll get into Exodus chapter 12 and the actual Passover. Not only, well, not, we won't get to the actual Passover event in the Exodus, but we will look at what does the Passover mean as God institutes it in the first few verses of chapter 12. Until next time, this is Pastor Doug Minton wishing God's blessings upon you as you wrestle with theology.